Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Katie Snevis. Hello, Katie. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good, good. Uh, you have had a tumultuous few few days um, health-wise with your family. Oh my gosh, we have. Um, not to, you know, bore anyone with all the details, but it's. I'll give you the shortened version. Last Wednesday um, was two of my girls, I have three girls, annual checkup, which Mind you, most of the time we do our annual checkups around their birthdays. Ella's birthday was last November. <laughs> Annie's birthday was in January. So we did it, you know, eight months later and I rescheduled it a thousand different times because if my kids aren't sick, I'm not going to take them to the doctor during COVID and right. blah, blah, blah. But the appointment came up and I was like, well, they may need immunizations for school. So I'll just go ahead and take them in. Uh-huh. So we go in and they do their vitals. Ella's vitals were fine. And Annie had a slight fever of 100.5, which... I mean, I know that's a fever, but I don't typically treat my kids with a fever until it's like 101. Um, I yeah. just, they just, I mean, there was no indication that she had a fever. She didn't feel hot. She was still her crazy, sassy self. <laughs> so anyways, I was shocked to hear this news. And then we're waiting in the room for the doctor and I still wasn't really thinking anything about it. Annie has allergies. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe she, who knows? So the doctor walks in, I mean, all masked up. She looks (sighs) like she was going to the moon, the poor thing. I mean, she had on PPE. She had on two masks. She had on the the, um, shield, everything. And I mean, that's, that was my first indication. Like, oh my gosh, these poor doctors who have to just get in there and face it no matter what, because that's mm-hmm. their job. So I so appreciated her coming in. We go through the checkup. She's like, you know, you might want to get her tested. And I was like, tested for what? She's like, for oh. COVID. And I was like, oh, I mean, I wasn't even thinking about it. I really wasn't. I mean, we've been very careful um, about throughout all of this. We really have been, but I and, just wasn't thinking of a possibility. And Annie is six, seven? She's seven. She's yeah. seven. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so anyways, I was like, okay, we'll go get tested. Cause we were actually supposed to see Dan's mom. Who's in her seventies. We were supposed to go out of town this coming weekend. Um, long story short, we get her tested. We get her test back 24 hours and she is COVID positive. Oh. And it just rocked our world because mm-hmm. we're like, there's just no way. Um, no one had any symptoms. So anyways, once you get the positive test, I mean, that's when the real story begins because you have to call every single person you've come in contact with for the previous two weeks. So oh, wow, my kids have been doing swim team very safely. Ella had been doing swimming at her at the university down the street. Like we just started kind of venturing out into the world again. Maeve was doing soccer. So we, I was on the phone for probably six hours straight on Friday morning. Oh, geez. We, we didn't get the results until five o'clock on Thursday. So called everyone Thursday night and then called everyone on Friday. Um, so it's crazy. I mean, and then, you know, we shut down swim team. We shut down the pool. The lifeguards that Annie was around had to, they're now isolating for two weeks, which means they're probably not getting paid. The babysitter that I had come over the day before didn't get to go out of town with her family. So now she's stuck at home by herself. You just don't wow. realize the ripple effect of, yeah. of what, what this causes. I mean, I'm glad because- this is the only way that it's going to stop. But since then, Annie has had no symptoms. So her fever completely went away by Thursday morning. The rest of us have had no symptoms. I mean, all maybe we can use this as a picture for the promo, but there's like a, I, have, I call it the COVID command station. <laughs> um, and we have like a chart of all of our temperatures, which we take five times a day. We have vitamins that sweet Ellie, who's going to be on the podcast, dropped off for us. Um, <laughs> you know, like masks everywhere. And so it's just, it's just interesting how it just affects so many people in your life. And we still haven't really found out how, how she got it. And I should say too, and then I'll stop talking. I promise <laughs> Dan and I went and got tested on Saturday. Cause that was the first time we could get in. And I mean, that's a whole other podcast is how big of a nightmare it is trying to get a test. Even when you have a positive family member, you cannot wow. get a test easily. So mm. our results are supposed to come back today, which is Monday, which is when we're recording this. Um, but I couldn't wait any longer. So I went and got a rapid test yesterday and I'm <laughs> negative. So presumably Dan's negative. And so we're like, how, how did she get it? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's, what's the mind boggling thing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and so, so now that she has tested positive, do you all wear masks in your home? Well, so the, <laughs> the our doctor does have three little kids, but they might be older and she forgets what it's like. I mean, we share drinks all the time. We mm-hmm. kiss on the lips. Good night. I mean, we mm-hmm. are 
mm-hmm. share everything in our family. So she's like, you know, you can probably put Annie, who's seven years old, our youngest, down in the basement um, and you guys mm-hmm. can wear masks in the house. And I was like, that's just not going to happen. I'm not going to put my sweet little- Oh, yeah, no, not particularly in a basement. Like, I yeah. mean, it's like it's the stuff of Grimm's fairy tales. Totally, totally. <laughs> Everyone has nightmares from their childhood about the basement. So what- to do is the three girls actually share a room right now because they mm-hmm. wanted to for some reason. Um, so we moved Annie into our room. She's on a mattress on the floor in our room. So she's, you know, far enough from her sisters and she's far enough away from us. But mm-hmm. no, we don't wear masks in the house. We do make her sit in a separate chair um, while we're like watching TV. But I also don't want to, I mean, when, she, when I, it breaks my heart to even think about this, but when she found out that she, when she had to get tested, which is awful for little kids, by the way. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then when she found out that she was positive, I mean, she just broke down in tears Aww. and this kid does not cry. Um, cause she's just so worried about all of it and she's embarrassed and she doesn't understand. And so I don't mm-hmm. want to isolate her too much from her sisters either. Right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so it's kind of one of those things, like if she gets it, we all get it and hopefully we'll all be okay. But so far, so, um, we've been fine. So, and then Dan, your husband had gone back to work. Does this now mean that he is not going to work for two weeks? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he had a, uh, he, his office, he works at a bank. So there's a lot of employees, but there were only about five people that went back to the office. Everyone else is coming back after Labor Day, but mm-hmm. you know, he had to email, you know, the senior team and say, Hey, this is what's going on. And, mm-hmm. um, which is an awful email to write. And so, but they understood everyone understood. So yeah, now he's home for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all just home, you know, for the next two weeks, which is fine. But it was interesting when our pediatrician, we were talking to her on Friday and she's like, you know, your quarantine really begins 10 days after Annie's first symptom because she's still in the incubation mm-hmm. period days. And then that's when this, the 14 days start. And I was like, wait, excuse me. Did you just say 24 days? And she's like, yeah. So that's more than three weeks. Mm-hmm. That's more than three weeks. Exactly. But so this is what's again, not to get into politics, but it's just so difficult because everywhere you read, it's a different story. It's a different time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to be, you know, and, and another thing that I've realized too, is I think that there are probably a lot of people or a lot of kids walking around with this, whether they're asymptomatic or maybe the parents just have kind of ignored the symptoms and it's just oh. getting spread all over the place. So we did the socially responsible thing and told everyone we know. So yeah. every time I open up my email box, there's another email about our family, like, well, the pool shut down today or the swim team is no longer in season, you know, or we have to take three weeks off from soccer. And it's, it sucks Mm. for everyone, but I'd rather be that family that told everyone as opposed to just kind of sweeping it on the rug and hiding it. Precisely. And also, I mean, the, 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 Thing I keep thinking about is you saying that, oh, usually I take my girls in for their annual checkups right around their birthdays. So if you had done that, you would have completely missed this, you know, that she had it. Exactly. I mean, you know, because it's not like you're taking, you're you're not taking your girl's temperatures every day. And if you, if you had like felt her little forehead, you would have been like, oh, she was just outside playing in the yard with her sisters. You know, it's, it's a hot day. Exactly. And that's, I think the moral of this whole story is maybe we all need to start taking our temperatures every morning and every night because we would have never known. And we would have seen Dan's parents who were in their Mm -hmm. seventies and they would have been very vulnerable where, you know, it's just, we would have spread it around to all these people that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, wouldn't have fared as well as Annie has. So mm-hmm. I agree. That's kind of what we're going to do from now on. I mean, we are going to stay home for the next three weeks. We, we really are. We're going to shut it down. We're not seeing any, I mean, not that we had mm-hmm. seen anyone anyway, but we are really on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are also going to continue to take our temperatures for mm-hmm. the foreseeable future. I mean, mm-hmm. and, it, and just with school, it, it's interesting. I mean, Annie is a science experiment of one, as my friend said. Um, and if she doesn't pass it along to Dan and I, you know, that's kind of good news for school, right? Oh, I mean, totally. Completely. It is such a low transmission rate from kids to adults. That's, Again, this is a party. This is a, you know, one yeah. kid, but. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I thought because you all, as you indicate, are, I've, I've seen you all in action, you know, very hands-on, cuddly, you know, the, your girls are kind of like puppies together, you know, <laughs> like, like they're not, they're not, you know, it, like teens, it's each in their own room. I mean, right. So it really does point to the low transmission rate that um, little kids have. 
Totally. No. I mean, if I had my, I bet Ellen may have are positive. Um, mm. So we aren't going to get them tested until Wednesday because they wanted us to wait at least a week. Mm. But I don't even know if I'm going to get them tested because the, the test is pretty brutal for kids. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, particularly if you're going to, if you're going to be isolating, if you're going to be self-quarantining anyway, exactly. Just, you know, exactly. I don't know, almost maybe find out afterwards whether they have antibodies that, precisely. I think that's what we'll, we will all do. Like in a month or so, we'll all just see if we have antibodies and mm-hmm. uh, it's just such a weird world that we live in. But I, I'm really grateful that this all happened mm-hmm. um, because again, we would have infected so many more people and, mm-hmm. you know, so far so good. I mean, if we've, I feel like we've dodged kind of a huge bullet if we all remain healthy. Mm-hmm. Completely. So, completely. Yeah. Wow. So that was our weekend. How was your yeah. weekend? Oh, yeah. no, no, we are going to, we are going to move on to our guests because nothing can compare to that to quote Sinead O'Connor. Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite songs of all time, by the way. I, oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for knowing what song I was talking about. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. All right. So um, we are welcoming back a repeat guest and a beloved member of Team AMR, Ellie Kempton, a Denver-based registered dietitian nutritionist. She leads the Simply Nourish and Metabolic Reset programs in our Train Like a Mother Club. Perhaps you've heard of them. (laughs) Ellie is a former high-level competitive swimmer and the mother of a fur baby. Ellie will be talking about pandemic time nutrition, meal and snack options, and so much more after this break. Stay with us. It is always a pleasure, Ellie. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I feel so honored. So please remind us really quickly, what's the difference between a nutritionist and what you are, a dietitian, which people please note, there's no C in dietitian. I make that mistake. It's all... (laughs) I do too. And I am a dietitian. It just doesn't come naturally to spell it with a T. But (laughs) anyhow, you know, they're very similar. And the titles refer to someone who really wants to help you eat better. Mm -hmm. But a nutritionist is maybe a more liberal term. So Sarah, if you woke up one day and you decided you were bent on helping your friends and family eat better, you could absolutely call yourself a nutritionist. Mm. And with the term dietitian, you know that the person you're working with has had to jump through three really specific hoops. Mm. So the first hoop is a degree that is accredited by the, it's called the American of American Association of Dietetics. Mm -hmm. And then you have to do this year long internship. And um, it's kind of like slave labor is what I just Mm. (laughs) could describe it to be. It's like paid slave labor, where you go around and you actually uh, have supervised work as a dietitian in multiple different settings. Mm. And then you sit for a board exam. Mm. And it's, you know, I think both nutritionists and dietitians have such incredible roles to play. And often I think nutritionists play a more holistic role of using lifestyle design, depending on their training and dietitians often insert themselves into a clinical setting. Mm. So that's what I did right after grad school is I went right into children's hospital and wanted to work in pediatrics and then Mm. realized I was kind of a rebel and wanted to spin <laughs> off and do my own thing. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and at the age of what, Ellie? You were so young when you did oh, that. No, I cannot believe it. You know, I just had this vision. I was 24 when oh I decided this is time to kind of start building a private practice on the side because I found really quickly that I loved working with the women who would bring their kiddos in. Like mm. I would sit in the corner and have really insightful, deep conversations with them and then be like, oh wait, I should be working with your kid. <laughs> so it was written in the stars for me and I just um, haven't looked back ever since. That's nice. So before COVID, which seems like a million years ago, Ellie, you and I used to hang out at Cycle Bar and Soul Cycle and do all these fun classes together. And I still kind of have PTSD from all the times that you and I would take Cycle Bar classes and you would always be number one, always. (laughs) And I'd be like, one of these days, I'm going to at least get in the top 15. And I maybe did one time and I was dying for days afterwards. Um, But needless to say, you're an amazing athlete and such a good um, buddy to work out with. But since all of this nonsense... I shouldn't say nonsense. Since everything that's going on in the world, what have you been doing for exercise this spring and summer? 
You are too funny. I happen to be a tiny bit competitive. So poor Katie, <laughs> as soon as I locked into that bike, I think she saw a much more aggressive side of me because I had, was really onto the leaderboard, which was at the expense of my sanity. No problem. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I was thinking about that just recently and I'm glad you asked because I've been reflecting on the fact that my routine is so much simpler. And without commuting to different classes, I almost like what I do better now. And it really consists of running. I cannot give up my running. Um, I do a bunch of trails and I feel like I've just gotten much better at running naked, like no watches, no nothing, no, no elements that or metrics that tell me how fast I'm going, which feels good. And then I've been doing more strength training and that's so hard for me. I am a cardio junkie, like literally a quick Mm -hmm. hit of cardio. Mm -hmm. And so hopping on the bike or trying to annihilate my last milestone on it cycle bar was just, it put me on a high, right? (laughs) But I'm redefining what functional strength looks like. And every time I do Pilates, which my sister is a Pilates instructor, so that helps. But every time I do Pilates or some form of strength, I kind of become a better runner too. So it's really running and Pilates and then a little bit of stretching. It's simple and it, it works. I like it. Nice, nice, nice. So, all right, before we get to nutrition related questions, some of which we gleaned from the Another Mother Runner Facebook page, Ellie, can you please elaborate on what you wrote in a recent Simply Nourished newsletter? And I'll read it. You said, selflessness is no longer what I strive for. Why? I've swapped it for selffulness. I've started to define what my needs are and pursue them. In doing so, I've become a better version of myself. And by default, I've had a much bigger and more positive impact on those around me. When I used to deny my needs in the name of selflessness, it was a tiny energy drain, a slow death that would only later show up as anxiety. And when I read that, I was like, boom, Ellie, you are speaking to mother runners right Mm -hmm. there. So could you kind of riff on that a bit? Absolutely. And first of all, I'm honored you read my newsletter. I sometimes (laughs) send it out there into the world and I'm like, mom, check my newsletter. (laughs) So thank you for being a reader. That's amazing. Um, And you know, I have, I've started to get a little more sentimental and really put my feelings out there on paper. It's been really cathartic. And what I started to notice, it was about maybe early April I had this indescribable sense of anxiety where I just didn't feel like something was clicking. Mm. And a good friend of mine and I, we went out for a virtual walk and she said, well, what is it that you need? And then something clicked. I was like, wait, I kind of don't know what I need. And I hadn't really been intentional, intentional about writing down and identifying what my needs were. So I was starting to act really needy. Mm. And then I realized Mm -hmm. that the more needy I acted, it was not because I was, you know, doing something wrong or, or, um, lost. It was just because I hadn't defined what my needs were. And when I fulfill those needs, I'm a completely different person. So I've been really diligent since the spring, I guess. Yeah. Mid April on of really defining what my needs are and pursuing them. And Mm. the more I do, the less needy I act. It's really Mm. cool. Mm. But yet, you know, it's a, it's a script change in my brain because I think, especially in the service industry and working in the world of dietetics for so long, I thought, well, you know, just be selfless, selfless, do, do the right thing, you know, definitely show up and, and, um, serve. But when I fulfill my needs first and then serve, I'm so much more impactful. It feels different. Hmm. Hmm. You are you are just wise beyond your years, Ellie. Every time I hang out with you, I feel like I come home with like four or five takeaways that I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start doing this or I'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to adjust this. And it's just it's words of wisdom that um you don't find other places. You are you are truly a gem. You've you've realized mm-hmm. a lot about your life and about how you approach your life um, at such a young age. So I applaud you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start with a question from Facebook that really cuts to the point. Uh, is there a reason healthy eating would be different during a pandemic than any other time? The million dollar question. That was a really good one. You know, um, I don't think the elements of healthy eating are different at all. 
that the environmental cues are different. Mm. And especially we went through a period of time, I think, where even the accessibility to that healthy eating became different. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the structure of the eating itself is any different. It just takes much more intention. And I think it takes a lot more foresight to accomplish those standards of healthy eating. So Mm. I think that's why it really took a lot of us by storm. Okay. So I, you know, in working with women throughout the, the, or within the throes of it, I think my conversation sitting across from each woman I work with was so different because it wasn't just describing, okay, this is what I want your day to look like. This is what I want your plate to look like. We just had to pare it down to the bare bones of what or how can you create an environment within your home that is so teed up for you to to succeed and to thrive because there's so much working against you right now. Not to sound Mm -hmm. pessimistic, but truly, you know, the cues that we're being given via social media and just messaging that is so subtle is this is hard. Uh, There's so much that is harder to do than it's ever been. And so I think being cooped up in the home made it even that much more important to really create triggers, environmental cues that prompt you to do the right thing. And um, what's cool about it though, and this is the silver lining, I'm sounding so pessimistic here saying, you know, it's harder than it used to be, but the return on investment is also much higher than it used to be. Because think about it, when you eat in a healthy way, your defense goes up, your immune Mm -hmm. system thrives, you sleep better, you have better cognition. So not that those, you know, benefits aren't around all the time, but in the middle of a pandemic, you need that more than ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will say that, um, Ellie, you know, that my youngest was diagnosed with COVID and we have used that a lot during our discussions. Like, hopefully this doesn't all backfire, but we're like, Annie, you know, you and the girls, you guys are staying healthy because we eat healthy in our house. You know, like we cook all of our meals, we make great choices with vegetables and fruits. So I found it as a really good opportunity to teach, reinforce to my kids how, you know, living the lifestyle that we do within, I mean, they have fruity pebbles, you know, and cinnamon rolls here and there. But I mean, for the most part, I think that that is, you know, it's just been a really interesting time to be able to reinforce to them that, the reason why you guys are hopefully staying healthy is because of the choices that we all make as a family. So that's just my Absolutely. two cents. Oh, yeah. I love you guys so much. I watch and just like, I feel so honored that I inspire you. I am taking such diligent notes on how you make the consistency a family standard. And I think that it's so fun to open up this conversation, having experienced it firsthand that food is medicine. You know, you mm-hmm. say that and it to fall on deaf ears often because it's used so often food is medicine but when you experience it like you are right now being saying oh my gosh we have someone in our home with this highly contagious virus and here we are feeling good and knowing what to do you've got your covid uh station or command station <laughs> you know, to be doing then it hits home and that's a lesson that your kids are never gonna forget i love that thank you yeah Um, so I, I mean, kind of building on that is, you know, how do you keep the motivation up for healthy eating besides, you know, trying to reinforce to your kids that it'll keep them healthy, but as moms and as adults, you know, I mean, it's, it's just easy, easy for me to grab a, a, chocolate chip cookie that we made because that's all we do is bake versus a handful of peppers. I mean, what can we really do to, to try to stay on track when life is stressful and chaotic? I think there's this normalization that's occurred, right? I know I had to kind of take stock of what habits have crept in over the last few months because when you're, again, your environmental cues change, so do your habits and your patterns. But, you know, the first step is actually to go way back upstream and do a quick energy audit. And what I mean by this is take stock of the things that drain your energy in your day-to-day routine and then write down the things that give you energy. And that in and of itself Mm. is going to be a good indication of where your motivation goes or where it comes from. And I know that doesn't have everything to do with food. And you both know me well enough by now that I sometimes veer off script of just food. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I really like asking 
women to identify, just make, you know, draw a line straight down a piece of paper, identify what drains your energy and identify what gives you energy. Because if the list of energy drainers is two to three times as long as the energy givers, chances are that food is going to fill in the gaps because it gives mm. you this quick hit of dopamine. Like it's the fastest way for the human brain to get dopamine is actually by searching for food. Oh. And that's hard because, you know, that really pulls on your motivation if it's really hormonally driven that you're looking for energy from food because there are, there are too many energy drainers and not enough energy givers that come from other things than food. So that's one really good place to start. But then mm -hmm. we want you to think about ways to really set up your environment for success. And this was something that I always taught quite a bit in a pediatric setting of saying, okay, what do your cupboards look like? Because you're going to lose motivation pretty dang quickly when you open up a cupboard and out jump Skittles. Like, <laughs> no, that's going to bite you in the butt. So, you know, I reorient your lifestyle in within the home because we're all very much, uh, you know, concentrated. Our, our habits and our routines are now highly concentrated within the home. Create an environment where when you open up the cupboard, it's snacks that you would want to watch yourself eat on the set of a movie. And mm. that's going to help you oh, motivate yourself. Good. Watch yourself on that screen and you are proud of that. And it's, it's baby steps. You know, it's like, okay, shoot, I'm snacking a bunch. Well then upgrade your snacks first and then start working on one fewer snack a day, maybe a bigger meal and a, a lighter snack. But when you create that type of structure, all of a sudden the momentum's in place. And if you want somewhere to start, start with your morning because the first dominoes that fall in the morning kind of orchestrate the rest of the day. It's like going for a run in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. When you run, you want to drink water. When you drink water, you all of a sudden have a healthier appetite or you know your hunger and satiety cues. So I think when you go through your kitchen, start there, Make sure that the cues you're given when you open your fridge and when you open your pantries are the ones that trigger that movie you want to watch yourself live. Mm, that's such a good analogy because I would not want to see myself dive into a chocolate cake on screen. <laughs> oh, yeah. There are moments where I have my hand all the way into a bag of pretzels and I'm like, dude, I hate this movie. <laughs> Mine are so much worse than a bag of pretzels, Ellie. Oh. <laughs> I forgot that I ate the first half, though. Does that make it a scarier movie? <laughs> Only if it's in high def. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so the question that got the most likes on Facebook is something you were touching upon in that. It's how to curb stress eating when you're also struggling with a lack of motivation. So it sounds like starting with you know going through your kitchen and, and uh, revamping it somewhat. But what, what other tips can you give? You know, I think stress eating definitely starts with that need for serotonin and dopamine for sure to, to quell that cortisol response. But I think one way to decrease stress food is to keep your blood sugar stable. And mm -hmm. one way to do that is to be really consistent. Think about it like a heartbeat of protein into your day. Mm -hmm. So if you want to take another blank piece of paper, I'm a big fan of pen to paper. Uh -huh. <laughs> can we, can we use both sides at least, you know? So. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you can use both sides there. I love that. Um, and write down the last day or two of where your protein came from and then put a, put kind of an estimate on it. You know, how much was it? Was it 10 grams or 15 grams? You don't have to get too specific. But if you're not seeing at least 15 grams of protein, and that's not high protein, I'm actually not an advocate of those high, high protein diets. I don't think that they're necessary for every woman. Um, but take stock of how many times you ate protein and what at what interval, mm. and then try to create a scenario where you have at least 15 grams of protein every four hours. So don't let four hours go by without at least a 15 gram dose of protein. It's a nugget. It's very little. I mean, think of that. That's like two hard boiled eggs or, you know, three ounces of chicken. Like it's not a bunch, mm -hmm. but what that does is it helps you create a scenario where you're not reaching for food out of a really low blood sugar cortisol response. Mm -hmm. Cause there's, you know, all bets are off when your blood sugar is super low and you're super stressed, your cortisol is sky high. I mean, 
I, I would drive to a convenience store in my pajamas and that. <laughs> right? Whereas if your blood sugar is stable and you've had that protein, you have so much more sanity and maybe just maybe you can pause before you reach for something. And when you pause, you have the opportunity to choose. So, so I, I love that. Could you, um, before we move on to a, another question, um, give us some more examples of what 15 grams of protein. So you said like two hard boiled eggs, three ounces yeah. of chicken, um, yeah. about two or four three ounces four. of tofu, the mm-hmm. about half a cup of beans, mm-hmm. um, a scoop and a half or, you know, a small scoop of protein powder. Like you could put some collagen and some tea, I really love, one of my favorites is, uh, I love turkey pepperoni. I think it's so fun to build little charcuterie boards out of it. Like that cute company, Applegate Farms. Yes. Find it at Target. Um, Yeah, it's great. It's very easy to find. And I like to make some, like a tiny little charcuterie board and do turkey pepperoni, some olives and some crackers. Easy, easy, right? And it doesn't take that much. It's like 10 of those little rounds and they're tiny and when you have that, the, the conversation I want you to have in your head is, okay, I want sugar. I want the whatever form it is. For me, I like salty, crunchy. So I'm like, I want those chips right now. But first, I'm going to have some turkey pepperoni and just see how I feel. So it's having that conversation with yourself in a really gentle way, like you would a child, right? Mm-hmm. If your kiddo was sometimes. About- Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Give your body the option, you know, allow yourself to engage in a conversation instead of just fight and struggle with willpower. Mm. Human brain does not thrive in scarcity. We thrive in abundance. So when you tell yourself, I can have that, but let me try this first, there's less of that reaction of rebellion that's going to kick in. Because when we tell ourselves, nope, I can't have that. I can't have that. I can't have that. Then Lord knows when willpower drops for an instant, done. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. have it. And then, and then you're no longer on the same team as your body. That's something I, I often say mm-hmm. is, you know, it's like you, you want to create a scenario where you are on the same team and having the same conversation. You're not speaking French and German and not understanding what mm-hmm. the heck you're trying to talk about. Mm-hmm. That is such a good takeaway because I think we are just so mean to ourselves, right? When it comes to this struggle with food, um, especially women have been. And so if you're just gentle to yourself and just say, hey, let's try this before you have that, um, probably eight times out of 10, you'll be satisfied with it, right? And you won't need to move on to the the items that you probably shouldn't be eating. So that's that's just good food for thought. Thank you. <laughs> um, next question. And this is one that I was such an awesome meal planner because with three kids and running all over town with activities and sports, like I was making dinner at two o'clock every day so that we would actually have something to eat when we were all at home. Um, but obviously everything's gone sideways with, with, uh, the world in general. And I feel like we've kind of slipped back into our toddler days of grazing all day. So what are, what's some advice for getting the planning and structure back um, to meal planning when things have gotten so uncertain, have become so uncertain? Yeah, this is, I'd say the million dollar question because meal planning is already hard and we're expected to know how to do it. Am I right? Like we're expected that we just have this mastery in meal planning when nobody ever teaches (laughs) us how to do it. And it can feel when you sit down with a piece of paper and you're like, where do I start? And then there are arrows and lines and lists, and then you just crumple it up and throw it away and then wing it. Right. Yeah. So, and I also hate just on a side note, I hate the meal plans where, where there's an option that's different for every meal of the day, no recycling of food that feels Mm -hmm. overwhelming too. right? Right. Right. And so when I teach meal planning, I pare it down to the bare necessities. And then when I teach meal planning during a pandemic, we go even further. So the bare necessities when I teach meal planning is one breakfast a week, make a really fun, sexy breakfast and serve that every day of the week. And, you know, maybe there's a grab and go alternative for your picky kids, but that's what the kitchen is serving for breakfast. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're in a pinch and this Kids don't love this as much as I think some of the women under my care who are willing to do this. When you're in a pinch, it's okay to have your breakfast for lunch. I know that sounds almost overly simplistic and it's crazy to think, oh, I'd have a smoothie for breakfast, maybe like a smoothie bowl for lunch. 
But man, in my hard weeks and so many women under my care, that is a game changer to keep things in check and not resort to just the mindless snacking. Mm-hmm. And for dinners, it's all about assembly, like having meals that don't even require a recipe. So I call them stitchable meals (laughs) and having those repertoires of stitchable meals where you could literally do it blindfolded or mix up the ingredients or change amounts just based on what looks good. Those types of dinners are going to save your buns and having two to three that you rotate through throughout the week. That's where the bare bones necessity comes in. Ideally, and this is the piece of advice I've been giving during the pandemic, is one to two of those meals, I'd highly recommend making three to four servings, which is a lot of food, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take three to four times to make three to four servings or right. three to four, you know, tripling it or quadrupling it. It mm-hmm. takes maybe 25% more time. Mm-hmm. And then you freeze that and that comes back up into your assembly meal rotation in two weeks. Voila. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one breakfast, one lunch or leftovers for lunch, and then two to three dinners tops. And it's just about getting really savvy about recycling and letting recycling food be the most important piece. But we have to start even further upstream from that. Make sure that you have something that you would look forward to doing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. paired with your, your scheduled meal planning. I don't meal plan unless (laughs) this is so silly, but my husband and I have like a little mocktail date every week and, Mm -hmm. and oftentimes it's actually a cocktail date, but (laughs) it's COVID. It's okay. It is COVID. Right. Mm -hmm. COVID cocktails. So we sit down and that is our, we pair it with something fun and engaging like a drink at the same time that we're doing our meal planning and it gets quicker and quicker and quicker every time we do it. Um, because we just kind of get into routine and a rhythm for the season. But if you have that time scheduled, that planning really will make such a big difference. And if you have those stitchable meals at your fingertips, then you just keep going through them. If you had seven or eight stitchable meals for the season, statistically, that's actually all people use anyway, is seven to eight recipes a season. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. 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 So so let's stick with meal planning a bit. A bammer on Facebook who must have paid a bit of attention to the topics covered in the Simply Nourish programs like macros ask, I want to know more about macros and how to start thinking about them in meal planning. So Ellie, you got to start with first defining macros and then um, talk about incorporating them into meal planning, please. Oh, this sounds like a star student. I love it. Um, so macronutrients, you've got macro and micronutrients. Macronutrients, refers to the structural component of the food. So there are three different macronutrients, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats, and structurally they do different things for the body. As I already mentioned, I'm a little bit of a rebel in the world of dietetics. So I even built out, I I made a new rule and I said that vegetables are their own (laughs) macronutrient because I want there to be a special emphasis on vegetables, but technically they are a carbohydrate. And micronutrients are the vitamins and minerals within the macronutrients. So there's your little biochem lesson. Mm-hmm. And when I'm looking at meal planning and picking out recipes, because I think I used to get really frustrated that I never used my cookbooks and kind of didn't know where to start at one point, just finding recipes online. The recipes that I want everyone choosing from their cookbooks and pulling up pulling and clipping from online sources are recipes that have a two to one ratio Mm. of vegetables to everything else. Mm. So if it requires three different recipes to get that done and to to accomplish it, that's probably not the recipe for you because we want to cut corners. I think there's this perception that I spend hours in the kitchen every week and I kind of don't. I prefer to cut the right corners and save time in the kitchen without sacrificing quality. And so pick out from your favorite cookbooks the recipes that have a two-to-one ratio of vegetables to protein, carbs, and fats. And when you do that, you're giving your body a multivitamin. You're giving it protection because all of that color, that is protection. They're called, colors are called phytonutrients, and they are defending the body against stress and invasion. And uh, it's so cool to see color go to work on our behalf. And you're also giving yourself a really, really good hefty dose of 
in, of enzymes, which help you digest everything else in the mm. plate. So if you take digestive enzymes, consider swapping in some vegetables and those have incredible doses of enzymes. And so you get so much more bang for your buck on the protein that you invest in and the carbs that you invest in and the healthy fats that you invest in. So uh, Mo Molly and I actually just, my running partner and I went back to, um, yesterday for the first time since COVID, we went and got acai bowls at this mm. place that has this beautiful outdoor garden where you can eat. So um, loads of space and fresh air and all that stuff. And she got a different bowl than usual that had papaya on it. And um, so she talked about how she tries to eat a lot of papaya because of the, um, the enzymes and how it helps with um, digestion and that sort of thing. So I was like, oh, look at you there, Molls. Uh <laughs> Molly, look at that little nutritionist. I love it. Yay. Seriously. I think that's one of my favorite things that I've learned about you, Ellie, over the years is that you are not a slave in the kitchen. You really aren't. It's like you are just efficient and you and Tom create beautiful, wonderful meals, but you do it in a way that you know, you're not in there for hours. And that's what I think I appreciate. And that's probably why you do so well with mother runners because we don't have the time to do that as much as it sounds lovely. We just, we just don't. <laughs> um, but one thing, just a kind of one more question about meal planning. We, you know, like I said, we used to be really good meal planners and we're trying to get back into it, especially now that we're um, kind of locked at home. But I sit down with my girls and my husband and we all, we bring out the calendar and I'm like, okay, girls, what do you guys want for dinner this week? And they pick the same three things every single week, like <laughs> zucchini meatballs um, from Maeve, like Cobb salad. And usually it's this other type of pasta. And I'm like, that's delicious, but we need to mix it up a little bit. So what are some ways on how to like change things up? I mean, I know you mentioned you know, kind of dig through your cookbooks and do a two to one ratio, but how else can we get creative and inspired, um, by, you know, getting out of the same rotation every week after week after week? Yeah. It's all about the sauce. Get saucy. Because you <laughs> love it. That was the first thing that came to mind. So truly, and it does make such a difference. Get really comfortable with having a repertoire of sauces. Because Lord knows you could take a pesto meatball pasta and then do it with pesto one night and then with marinara the next night and maybe an Alfredo the next night that you made with cashews or something creative like that. And that's three different meals, but three different, just because of the three different sauces. And you make something so maybe boring or dull with just vegetables and protein and you just spice it up with sauces that are really kid friendly. So my favorite rotation of sauces are pestos. I really, really love tzatziki because tzatziki mm -hmm. just makes Yum. everything pop, right? Like my <laughs> mouth is watering right now as I think about the cucumbers growing in my garden with some tomatoes and you could do, um, some some meatballs just with some Greek spices woven into them mm. um, and a tzatziki sauce over the top. Easy peasy. Another one that's so, so, so good is a um, peanut sauce. You could make a pad thai with those zoodle noodles um, and throw in some chicken and some ton of vegetables that were maybe frozen and you just steam them and weave them in with a peanut sauce. So if you had a rotation of five different sauces, you could make really boring foods come back to life. Yum. I mean, it's uh, lunchtime almost here too. So I'm starving, but that sounds <laughs> Me too. so good. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's sort of like um, something that I loved on your Instagram account, account, Ellie, which I encourage people to follow. Um, tell people what your handle is on Instagram, please. Simply Nourished Nutrition. Very good. So um, you had um, easy upgrades to your favorite foods and swap this for that. So can you share a few of these that you feel will resonate with women runners or that you find are the most popular with your um, clients? Absolutely. So my Instagram account, first of all, is very selfish. It's literally what I wish I, somebody would give me because I just am always looking for maybe the newest products out there, the easiest swaps or the tiniest tips. And so my Instagram account is maybe too simple to be true, but it's really just those little tips that I wish somebody would spoon feed to me. <laughs> so one tip that I love is, um, and one, I guess, category that I think is always fascinating is how to make an upgrade. Cause I always hate that word. Like this is a bad food and this is a good food. You know, those popular books like eat this, not that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kind of a play on that, but not like 
don't eat this. It's just, hey, here's a cool upgrade. So make a swap. And so one of my favorites that I think would resonate with your crew so much is a yogurt swap. So sugar hides in really sneaky places, as we all know, dressings and sauces, which is why making your own is great. But sugar hides in yogurt like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. So one swap that I think is a really easy, great one is to take a yogurt like Noosa. You guys familiar with Noosa? Mm -hmm. Yes. Love Noosa. It's like candy. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think it's Katie, isn't it based out of Colorado? Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Of course I'd be eating it thinking this is a Colorado local product. I'm so proud of myself until you look at the amount of sugar Mm -hmm. and then you realize it is dessert actually, which is great, but keep it as a sparkly dessert. Yeah. (laughs) And so the upgrade or the swap that I recommend is to switch to something like Siggy's. Siggy's is Mm. more protein, quarter the amount of sugar. And the reason I say Siggy's is because even the flavors have very little sugar. That's Mm. really cool and very rare in the world of yogurt Mm -hmm. because those flavors are pretty much just a little bit of artificial with lots of sugar. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my favorites. And then I think another swap that I got a lot of press uh, was my vitamin C swap. And this is very timely to be talking about this because I think sometimes our bodies need a little bit of extra vitamin C. Mm-hmm. And so one swap would be to take your, your uh, very familiar, very popular emergency and mm-hmm. swap it for some vitamin C that comes from ground food. And that is you know, it's really cool to think of food is information. And when you give your body information, it understands it uses it more quickly. Hmm. There's a lot of companies on the market. I'm not affiliated with any brands on my Instagram, but the one that I highlighted is I think really popular with your crew. It's the company Organifi Hmm. makes a, a vitamin C that again, is just from orange peels and acerola and camu camu berry, like crazy things that you can never get your hands on and just like grind up. So I'm happy to pay someone to do it for me. Um, But there's so many that are made from whole foods. And when you flip those packets over, think about that again, as just a really easy sentence for your body to understand and use and use to defend your body. So that's a, that's a swap that I think is very accessible, but also very timely because some extra vitamin C these days would be good. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's shift to weight management and weight loss. I mean, I think there's been a lot of jokes, um, but in all seriousness, a lot of people are concerned with the COVID-15 to 19, however you want to describe it, um, that people have put on during the pandemic. Um, On your Instagram account, we loved a meme that you posted about weight loss barricades and how you wrote that some folks are feeling they are no longer on the same team as their body, which is what you alluded to before. Can you talk a little bit more about that feeling and maybe the first step for getting back on the same team or at least being on the same bench um, (laughs) as the same team? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do. I allude to this a lot. So, um, And it truly, I'm in the business of putting women back on the same team as their body. And it starts by understanding what your body's trying to tell it and not trying to do the same thing time and time again and expect a different result. Mm -hmm. So when I put together that little infographic, I tried to be super intentional about creative ways to understand what your body's trying to tell it. So for instance, when you have weight stagnation and you're starting to see just weight creep on in areas that you're maybe not used to seeing it creep on and stay there. Instead of just doing more exercise and eating less, maybe you've tried that in the past, trace it backwards to what your body's really trying to tell you, which is that there might actually be a hormone imbalance and there might be something going on with hormones and to look there first. Mm -hmm. So the weight loss barricades are all about starting to recognize the symptoms and tracing them back to the source instead of continuing to try to treat the symptom. Mm. And so I'm hopeful when you read that little infographic, you felt this little ping of inspiration with Mm. some ideas of different places to start. Because for me, I think the most inspiring piece, and I I mentioned this earlier when we talked about exercise, but the resistance training piece, that is something that's so tangible and accessible, but I had never been trained to think, oh, resistance training as a complement to cardio could make a really big difference. I just thought exercise is exercise. How many calories do you burn? And let's get mm-hmm. as much bang for your buck as possible, right? Mm-hmm. So I think when I, when I work with women, and I often do work uh, on the topic of metabolism, there's so many different areas to 
work from and there's so many sources of weight stagnation. It's not just a matter of exercising more and eating less. And so I'm hopeful that anybody who read that, that little infographic felt inspired to come at it from a completely different angle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's so much of what you educate women about in whether it's the train like a mother club programs or the private practice that you have that, you know, you talk about so many things that are unrelated, seemingly, seemingly unrelated to nutrition, like stress and sleep, except, you know, you realize how crucial it is to manage stress and to get proper sleep and how, because those do affect weight and your relationship with food and all that. So could you um, take that ball and run with it for a bit, please? Yeah. So when we were talking about those different credentials and the, you know, the names for nutritionists, I almost wish I could preach that I'm a lifestyle architect and (laughs) people understand what I'm talking about because Mm -hmm. I truly love the idea that wellness comes from lifestyle architecture. There are so many components to wellness that are synergistic. And by just isolating something like nutrition and working on food alone, I, I worry that you're, you're blind to the elements that catapult nutrition forward. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is when you get a poor night of sleep, your hunger and satiety cues are going to be completely different tomorrow. And so if we're just focusing on the hunger and satiety cues and ignoring the poor sleep, we're just going to feel like we're swimming upstream every single time. But when we work on the sleep, there's far less work to be done with the nutrition because you start to feel full and you start to feel satisfied by your food because the hormones that are produced at night, leptin and ghrelin are in check and working for you instead of working against you. So the school that I, or the yeah, the education that I uh, pursued was very, very bent on this lifestyle architecture. And I feel really lucky that I had some exposure to some really um, intricate and comprehensive training on the matter and understanding the role that your sleep and your stress levels have on nutrition. Because then when you have that more comprehensive uh, focal point, you just go further faster. Mm -hmm. And so I'm pretty bent on continuing to be this little lifestyle architect working on all the elements of the house and they click into place much more effectively when they're all taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hearing you talk about that sort of makes me think about the way we look at running as well. And that it's, it's not just what you do in those four miles at six miles, 10 miles, whatever, when you're out there, but it's what else is going on in your life so that your pace is affected by whether or not you got woken up twice by your baby the night before, or whether you mm-hmm. had too much to drink the night before or something like that. So that, that, that we, I guess we just have to realize that so many elements of our life are not just in this bubble by themselves, that, that it's all interrelated and a big game of Jenga. Um, For sure. Yeah. I, one of my first clients, uh, it'll, I'll never forget this, but um one of my first clients came into my practice and he sat down and he was super disgruntled and was so really seemingly upset that his wife had sent him to come see me. So being in private practice, very fresh and new, I was of course a little bit nervous and we were going through his diet record. And this is before I had such a heavy, heavy emphasis on the lifestyle design, but I wanted to put it into practice. So he told me his whole daily regimen and it added up to very few vegetables and lots of hamburgers. And so, <laughs> so sounds like a guy. That, right? <laughs> so here I am nervously thinking about ways to gently guide him towards more vegetables. And I realized his stress levels were really, really high. And so I started there and I said, you know, I want you to just pause and breathe and really enjoy those hamburgers because I know how much you love them. And I know that you are very reluctant to give them up, which is no problem. I just want you to be calm and I want you to enjoy it. Mm. He comes back to his next session and he was eating fewer hamburgers. And Mm. I said, well, Pete, what's going on? Like, why, why fewer? You love these hamburgers. And he said, well, when my, when I'm, 
less stressed eating. I can't get through all of them. This is working. I had this little giddy, I'm sure, you know, (laughs) face of glee as I'm like working the system here. And time after time he comes back and I just had him, I gave him different cues. We started to do things throughout the day. He was a contract worker. So he was all over the place and I had him breathing in his car and these things that of course I'm sure he thought was was super woo woo. But (laughs) time and time again, he would come back and it would be fewer hamburgers or a different type of hamburger. Like he would try a burger made out of bison, or he'd try a burger that had different seasonings or vegetables on it. And then a few months in, he came back and he said, you know, I kind of want to switch things up. I don't even know if I like burgers anymore. (laughs) Wow. There you go. Like, look at that component. I didn't talk to him about the food at all. And that experience within my first year of practice really had an indelible impact on me. I thought, you know, that's where it starts. Nice. Nice. Thank you, Pete. Thanks for Pete. (laughs) Started it all. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? It was, and it's a guy too. I was about to say Pete's a guy. Right. When I said that, I knew the shock factor would be huge. (laughs) It was probably my last male client, but that's besides the fact. I scared him away, hopefully. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so funny. Uh, Well, so, okay. So Ellie, we could talk to you for ages, but we know that you have clients to see. So we're going to do a, a nutrition lightning round. So um, excited. Yes. So I'm sort so of, you know, it can, it can be more than one and more than one word answer, but um, just some quick hit answers. Um, so the first, and these are all from the Facebook page, um, your favorite seasonal item to be utilizing right now and what to make with them. I'm going to have to go with zucchini. I have it coming out of my ears. Does anyone else have zucchini just like as big as their arm? It's, it's crazy. Um, so I've been putting it in everything. I've been making uh, smoothies with it because, you know, spinach is so easy to throw in smoothies. Why not zucchini? And it, you don't really taste it. Um, and then, of course, I've been doing really uh, a ton of zucchini pancakes. So I shred it mm-hmm. and then I squeeze out all the water and I make like almost like a zucchini fritter out of it. And you can use so much zucchini in that way and then serve it as you would pancakes. The zoodle is always very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly use the most in my smoothies. Try it out. <gasps> a little tip too, because we had oodles of zucchini growing last year in our um, – or last summer, I should say, in our garden is that you can grate it and then freeze it. So yes. I have like bags and bags of zucchini in my freezer that's already grated and then I can pop it into muffins or meatballs or whatever. So another little tip. Um, well, you kind of answered this already, but maybe you can elaborate on it, but your favorite smoothie right now with zucchini, but what else do you put into it? Oh my gosh. I'm trying to get really creative about my smoothies. Cause I get stuck in smoothie ruts and I actually used to hate <laughs> smoothies. I thought, Oh, it's so cliche for a dietitian to love smoothies, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just banned them as a rebel. But now I'm kind of coming back around and I'll say one of my favorite uh, kind of sneaky smoothie ingredient that really helps the texture of smoothie and makes it really creamy and delicious is frozen avocado. Mm. And I've started to see frozen avocado more often at the stores, but um, mm. you can, when avocado starting to go south, you can just cube it up and pop it into a, you know, individual baggies in the serving that you want to use or freeze it on a sheet pan and then throw it all into a bag. And when you throw it in, it's more like a creamsicle texture. So I've been making this smoothie called peachy cream and it has some frozen avocado, some Palisade peaches and some coconut milk to make it really that creamy texture and then some collagen powder. And oh my gosh, this smoothie, you guys, it's, I'm kind of, I'm hooked on it. Yum. Can you use it? Um, like bananas, I put brown bananas in my freezer and then use it in muffins. Like can yeah. the avocados be brown or just like a little bit brown? I mean, when, when have they passed their point of being able to use them in smoothies? I'm pretty liberal. I go to, you know, I'll even use them a little bit spotted, you know, how under the skin yes. is a little bit brown. I mm-hmm. will, I'll still, as long as I freeze them before it's all brown, I use it and I I live to tell about it. So I yeah. guess <laughs> you're breathing still. That's good. Yes. <laughs> Temperature good. We're good. Um, what are some other breakfast options that are high in protein, but are not eggs? Cause I get sick of eggs. 
ah, oh, don't we all? It's like yes. the only high pre- high protein breakfast option that I think is on, you know, the blogs these days. But I'm a really big fan of hashes, um, like a root vegetable hash with some really like apple and cinnamon and some ground meat so that you can make a really big batch of a one pot skillet. And this is a really great one for fall. And I know we're still in summer, but if you did some sweet potato and some Brussels sprouts and some, you know, maybe some ground turkey and uh, some apple and cinnamon. Oh my gosh, that is such a good high protein breakfast that you make one big batch put it in individual servings and then warm it up in the mornings and you just get hungry smelling that cinnamon and the Mm. apple and the Mm. ground meat. Um, Of course the smoothie definitely has a lot of protein in it, but I'm, I don't know. There's something to me about baked goods that are so good in the morning. And so I've been making a lot of muffins recently Mm. with, um, you can definitely find a ton online that if you Google like almond flour, collagen muffin, there are so many awesome, awesome baked goods that use nut flours as the base. Mm -hmm. And that's a much higher protein pastry than say your traditional, you know, pastry flour muffin. Mm. So if you want to be playful, I think I feel like I want to watch myself on the set of a movie, like eating this delicious, but also healthy muffin in the morning. That's me living my best life. <laughs> so yeah. those are, that's one that I've, I build into the rotation, especially on the weekends. It's so fun to bake on the weekends and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. house perfume to have that muffin. Smell. With a cappuccino. I mean, house that's oh, delightful. Right? <laughs> yes. It's like the ultimate form of huga, especially in the fall. Um, I was like, waiting for that word to come up in this conversation. I knew you were. I had to indulge And at you. first I thought you said huga, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> really bad for you. We, we do Ellie. live in Colorado. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. I, I like to throw in the shock factor every so often. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've, I have to say that I love, Ellie, that you have used the word playful, saucy, and sexy to describe food choices, you know, ingredients. I think it, I think almost just bringing that attitude to food is going to mm. really, um, you know, kind of mix things up in the kitchen. So um, last uh, lightning round, again, from Facebook, easy, healthy, not messy snacks to eat at a desk during the work day. Mm. Well, you know, my role of snacks, I always try to throw a little bit of protein in there for that protein heartbeat. So I'm going to go back to one that I mentioned a little bit earlier, the turkey pepperonis, my, one of my faves. Mm-hmm. I think another one that is super popular, especially in the program we're running together right now, the metabolic renewal. Mm-hmm. One that everyone is loving is hummus with a protein powder of choice, hopefully no no flavor, like collagen mixed in, and then mm-hmm. dipped with whatever you typically like to put in, mm. dip with your hummus. And it's a ton of protein because the chickpeas have protein already, and then you can throw in a little bit more. And it's not super messy, I wouldn't say, right? Like dippable mm-hmm. hummus isn't horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one that I really like, are you guys familiar with bada bean bada boom no what is okay that? i know what is the sorcery so bada bean bada boom is a roasted fava bean that this company makes that's so good oh my gosh fava beans are such unsung heroes because mm. i don't ever make anything the other name for them is a broad bean and they make little snack packs for kids and it's a ton of protein and it's just good, but it's not addictive. And for me, the salt fiend who loves crispy, crunchy, Mm -hmm. I can only eat so much because they're so filling. So it's got that negative feedback mechanism, which I kind of (laughs) like. If you eat too much, you'll spontaneously implode as well. Yes. Yes. Right. Don't you love that? (laughs) Someone else else tells me when to stop. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then my all time favorite, I mean, a good old Greek yogurt with some berries mixed in. I feel like that berry parfait factor is so good. I feel uh, really satisfied, but also in the afternoons, I is typically when I have a snack and I'm looking for something sweet, but when you pair sweet with a protein, again, that's that negative feedback mechanism to your brain to tell you you're good and you're satisfied and you have what you need. Mm -hmm. And so I always try to grab berries whenever I see them, especially lately they're, they're in abundance and Mm -hmm. throw in some of my favorite ciggies and off I go. Nice. Nice. Well, Ellie, it's always a delight to talk with you and laugh with you. So thank you for joining us. 
Thanks, Ellie. Of course. Yeah. I love being a part of this conversation and I'm really excited to see what little nuggets of, of nutrition wisdom these women glean from this. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You take good care. Thanks. You too. Hey there, it's last call, last call for Love the Run You're With 2.0, our new four-month-long virtual race series. has everything you're looking for to keep you motivated and moving during these difficult times. So kicks off on Monday, August 3rd. So if you're listening to this when the show first comes out, otherwise known as this Monday. So we got, it starts August 3rd, goes through the end of November. There's a race every month. There's a training plan to support you. And it, you can be any level of runner, you can switch tracks. So maybe if you're feeling a little sluggish at the beginning, and then you feel you find some speed in your legs, you can switch over and do it, you know, kind of up your training. It's all customizable like that. And we have a relay race, a virtual relay race in August that we put together the team. So you can just sign up as yourself and we'll partner you virtually with five other runners there is a straight-up race in September. There's a stacked race in October. So if you're up for it, you can do a race on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then, boy, the big kahuna is in November. And that is your choice of running either 5K or 5 miles every four hours. And that would be over the course of 8 hours, 16 hours, or 24 hours. Oh, my goodness. I know it's a lot to take in. It is called the Love the Run You're With 2.0. We are selling it in our Train Like a Mother Club, and that is at trainlikeamother.club. And oh my gosh, the swag is so amazing. You get two swag package, whether you live domestically or internationally, and get a finisher's prime gift of a buff, a custom buff that is so absolutely gorgeous and practical these days. And you get noon, you get goo, uh, you get a blinky armband for using during the relay, or, and then when it starts to get dark, um, and oh my gosh, just so many things. It's fantastic. And all sorts of merchandise, love merchandise. So check it all out, trainlikeamother.club. You're going to want a piece of this action. And we are going to cap it at 1,200 participants, and we're getting kind of close. So hurry up and sign up. All right. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Mm-hmm.